We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Krzyzewski takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it in on the foul. What is up and welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast. The Oklahoma City Thunder fell to the Utah Jazz tonight by a final score of 110-104. to It was a game in which Josh Giddy showed exactly why he's one of the most special rookies in the entire class. So yet another game in which the Thunder were without Shea Gilgis-Alexander as he recovers from an ankle injury. Mark Dignall gave a quick update on his injury pregame saying... And there's a chance he could be back later this week, um, maybe in that Friday game, maybe even early next week. He did say that it wasn't a for sure thing and it wouldn't be surprising if that injury lingered into later next week. Um, as the Thunder typically do, they play these things safe. Um, Dignall mentioned they're they're you know kind of playing the long game with this. They'd rather Shea come back 100% healthy than bring him back at 95 and, and risk it be a longer term injury. So all that to be said, Josh Giddy will have potentially another handful of opportunities to continue to show that he is a capable lead ball handler on an NBA team. Um, it's one thing for a rookie to come in and you know start on a tanking team and, and look decent. It's a whole other thing when a rookie is able to come in and lead his team. When I say lead the team, obviously he didn't lead the team in scoring tonight. We'll get into that a little bit. But the fact that he's 19 years old, the second youngest rookie or the second youngest player in the entire NBA. And he's taking a Utah Jazz team that had the best record in the regular season last year in the entire NBA all the way down to the wire. It took Donovan Mitchell kind of taking over there late for the Thunder to ultimately fall by six points to the Jazz. I want to start with uh, Utah tonight, just, just looking at their balanced scoring attack. Like I said, one of the I mean, the best team in the league last season. They, they haven't been as good this season. You know, it's very, very early. They could definitely go on a run and and still capture the, the best record in the league this season pretty easily at this point. But a really, really, really balanced scoring attack, which we've, we've come to see from them, you know, for many years now. Um, they, they added Rudy Gay this offseason. He's looked really, really good early on. He finished with 15 points off the bench tonight. 
Obviously, they got Jordan Clarkson, who's one of the best bench players in the entire league in terms of scoring. Uh, he finished with 20. So to, to get 35 bench points out of those two guys is wildly impressive. And then you look at their starters. Um, you know, Royce O'Neal has is, is always been their, their three-point sniper that may be on some nights and, and drop a couple of threes. Other nights, he may not do a whole lot. And that was one of those tonight. He finished with five points. But the other four starters, as usual, um, all produce at a very, very even level. We saw... Bogdanovich finished with 19 tonight. Rudy Gobert, 15 and 17. Uh, Conley with 18 points, four assists. Donovan Mitchell finished with 13 points. Uh, Lou Dort locked him up almost the entire game. I think he had seven points coming into the last three or four minutes of the game. Uh, Mitchell did get hot like him into the top of the show to, to kind of put Oklahoma City away. He finished with 13 points. Um, but before that, I mean, he he did not look good. He was something like three of 12 from the floor. Um had only hit one three. Um, it's wildly impressive defense from Lou Dort tonight. Donovan Mitchell did finish, like I said, with 13 points, but it wasn't easy, and, it, and they didn't come till late. Um, but going back to, to Rudy Gobert, the guy finishes with 15 points and 17 rebounds, which would automatically make you think, okay, the Utah Jazz must have dominated on the boards tonight, and that really wasn't the case. It's interesting because the Thunder actually tied the Jazz on the boards tonight. They both had had 43 rebounds. Um, as a team. And so, you know, obviously the Thunder play very, very, very small um, on any given night. They're starting, you know, one of Jeremiah Robinson Earl or Derek Favors at the five. Both of them are extremely undersized. You know, Derek F- Favors played power forward for the first 10 years of his career. Um, more recently, has kind of shifted to a, a smaller five just because the Modern four is more of a stretch for these days in most cases, and he just doesn't fit that mold. He does step out and, and shoot some threes, and he's pretty good in the mid-range, but he's a traditional five now, and he's only 6'9". Jeremiah Robinson Earl uh, played a lot of wing, a lot of stretch four at Villanova, and he's done a lot of that in Oklahoma City, you know, stepping out, hitting threes. He was great tonight, but with that being said, the Thunder really don't have a dominant starting big or, or even a a real seven-footer that gets rebounds. Pokashevsky is the tallest player on the entire roster. And obviously, he doesn't play center. He's way too skinny to play center. His long-term goal is, is likely never going to be play center. They're going to have him more at a, a guard or wing position. Uh, all that to say, though, you look at the game tonight, the Thunder tie the Jazz on the glass, which is a huge accomplishment. But then you go look at the Thunder on the season, and this is where it gets really interesting, is that Oklahoma City is the number one rebounding team in the entire NBA this season. And, you know, you look back at Thunder teams of the past, this has always been something that Thunder have hung their hat on. And in the Steven Adams days, you know, there for many, many years, um, don't have the, the stats in front of me, but I would venture to guess they were a top three, top five rebounding team for half a decade in a row or more. You know, there may have been one season where they fell outside the top five, but I would even say for a stretch of seven or eight years, uh, I think that, that the Thunder were probably one of the, the best rebounding teams in the entire league. And this season, without a, a real big, they're number one in the league in rebounding. And, and it's interesting. It, it just goes to show the competitive nature that these guys play with. And, and JRE talked about this post game tonight of, you know, competitive spirit and, and just going out there and competing kind of takes care of everything. Um it, Offense, defense, you know, transition, crashing the boards. If you just compete and go out there and give it your all, everything else kind of takes care of itself. And that's what he attributes this team being so competitive with is and just staying in games is that competitive spirit. And they want to go out there and they want to win. They want to learn. And, and they do things the right way. And so 
it's been super interesting to see that, you know, being a smaller team that, that really just plays a bunch of forwards in the, in the front court. Um, and they're still a good rebounding team. I think that a lot of that comes from Josh Giddy and SGA being really good rebounding guards. That's a luxury for them. Um, it's played in their favor. And the Thunder, quite frankly, have not been good at many things this season, but rebounding, best in the NBA. Now, getting back into the game, looking at the Thunder's individual nights, uh, quite a few impressive stat lines. Um, Kendrick Williams continues to be solid for the Thunder. It seems like every given night, there's a different guy producing off the bench. Some nights it's Mike Muscala coming in, knocking down a handful of threes, finishing in double figures. Some nights, Ty Jerome, same thing. He'll come in, knock down shots. In fact, he had two threes tonight, went two from two for six from three in just 18 minutes with, with eight points. Um, you know, some nights it's it's Poku that has a little flash with, with eight points in a couple minutes. But tonight it was Kenrich Williams. Finished with 12 points, also had three assists, three steals, and two rebounds. Um, you know, he's a guy that is known for doing a little bit of everything, is, is kind of a glue guy, and looked really, really good tonight. He was perfect from the floor, six for six. Really nothing more you can ask for. He was a, a plus one in the uh, the box plus minus. Not that, that that tells the full story, but, you know, he, he's a winner, and he's a guy that we've talked about on other pods that, you know, he's, he's a guy that contenders may have an interest in will the thunder be interested in giving him up for maybe a mere second rounder i don't know i think he's a guy that that means a lot to this team in terms of leadership and we all know last season mark talked about the fact that kenrich is one of the most respected if not the the most respected player in the entire locker room so he, he means a lot to this team both on and off the floor um getting into the starters darius Baisley. He's had a lot of up and down nights recently. It's been a topic of conversation on our pods and, um, you know, kind of the, the Thunder media as a whole has, has talked about that and a lot of written pieces and other podcasts have talked about it. But tonight I, I felt like he played within himself. Um, a lot of the up and down that we see from Baisley is related to turnovers and it's related to number of bad and or missed shots. And tonight only attempted seven shots um, finished with eight points. He was three of seven from the floor, one of three from beyond the arc, one of two from the free throw line. That doesn't sound great, but I really think that might be when, when Bays is at his best. You know, if, if he's hot, I think you should be shooting more than seven shots, like maybe 10 or 11, because there are nights that Bays can give you 17, 18 points pretty easily. But on a night where other guys were scoring the ball pretty well, I think seven seven shots for him while doing the other things on the floor that he's good at. Like if he's not producing across the board, you know, that's that's not the kind of game you want to see from Bayes. But zero turnovers, so he's playing within himself. Only seven field goal attempts, didn't have many shots that were just, you know, wildly terrible. Um, eight rebounds, that's that's positive. Um, that, that's a good night from Bayes. And I think that if he can have those kinds of nights, on a, on a more regular basis, or at least if his valleys can be those types of nights, but also still having the peaks. Like if this is the, the absolute worst, we get out of baseline and you mentioned three blocks. If he can give you eight points, eight rebounds, three blocks and no turnovers while just taking up seven shots while letting other guys score. I think that's perfect for Bayes. Alongside Bayes tonight was Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who talked about it earlier has, has rotated being the starter uh, with Derek favors throughout the season. I believe JRE's count of starts this season is 11 or 12 now, and, and Derek Favors is 8. So JRE continues to lead the way in terms of most starts at starting center. Um, 
he had a great night. I mean, he if you didn't know he was a rookie and, and you were to watch the Thunder for the first time all year, and maybe you're not a huge basketball fan, you would probably think he's a veteran. You know, he he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Uh, he, had, he had a turnover tonight. He had one, one turnover tonight. And when he did it, I immediately thought, wow, that's that's unlike him. Like, he doesn't make many mistakes. And we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as J.J. does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. He's kind of the opposite of Darius Baisley. JRE lets the game come to him. When it's time to shoot, he shoots. When it's time to rebound, he rebounds. When it's time to, to stretch the floor, he does that. When it's time to bang down low, he does that. Bays is kind of the opposite. He looks to do a little bit too much, but but JRE just for being a rookie and and it, you know he did play uh, more college ball than a lot of the guys that get drafted do. You know typically when when you're looking at starters across the league, a lot of those guys are, are one and done kind of guys. JRE played a couple college seasons, so he's he's a little bit older, a little bit more mature, experienced. You know relative to some of these younger rookies that are you know 18, 19 years old and, and haven't played as many games. Um, spectacular again tonight and and at the beginning of the season it was a surprise like wow this guy could be a, a really solid second round steal and at this point even on a contending team because roles are going to fluctuate throughout the, the next three or four years I think a lot of people get caught up thinking you know the the numbers this guy's putting up today is, is you know he's only going to get better so he'll put up these numbers plus more in a couple years and that's just not the reality a lot of guys like JRE will have a different role when the time comes for the Thunder to be good again. Like he'll likely be a, a backup big or a backup, you know, stretch three or four. 
I just think he he thrives in any role. He's that kind of guy. He had 13 points tonight, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. I mean, 3 of 4 from deep. Becoming a knockdown 3-point shooter. He keeps hovering back and forth between you know 40%, 36%, 38% from beyond the arc. And for a guy that can play bigger than he is, you know, obviously a solid rebounder. He had 10 points tonight going up against Gobert all night. Uh, 10 rebounds. Um, that can also knock down threes. Being a rookie and, and playing within himself and poised and looking like a veteran, like that's just a luxury to have on a team like this. Um, moving on the line, uh, Lou Dort finished with 27 points. He absolutely exploded in the third quarter. We talked a lot this season about Shea and the big third quarters he's had. Um, Dort took over in that role tonight with uh, with SGA out. Obviously, Giddy does a lot of the ball handling when, when Shea's out, and Dort plays more of the, the off-ball wing. But in terms of scoring, like Dort is the best scorer on this team when SGA's not playing. And that's weird to say because two years ago when, when Lou was known as the defensive stopper, he wasn't a great shooter. He wasn't a great scorer. You know, he had that 30-point scoring burst against the Rockets in Game 7 of the first round of the playoffs. Um, you know, he had flashes of, of scoring a lot of points here and there. Even last season, you know, he had the, the larger role, scored more points. He had game-winning threes. Like, there was a lot of things he did where you're like, wow, maybe he could be a good scorer. This season, it's just been consistent. Like, after this game, he may be averaging, like, 18, 19 points with, with a 27-point night. Um, it's, it's wild. And post game, he talked about, you know, he was asked, you've always been known for being a defender. How do you have the energy to also go score on the offensive end? Because you look at Lou defensively when you're guarding the best player on the floor all night long. And again, he did a great job against Donovan Mitchell, who struggled, takes a lot of energy. Like if you ever played basketball before and you try defending even one play of just giving it your all, like you are white. And this guy goes down on the other end leads the team in scoring. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that stretch he had of 20-point games, he led the team in scoring four out of five games. And now with Shea out, just continues to lead the team in scoring. And it's wild to say that, you know, not long ago he wasn't known as a scorer, and now you can confidently say that Lou Dort is the second-best scorer on this entire Thunder team, which is which is very, very impressive. Kudos to him. Contract coming up uh, in a couple years. He's on one of the most team-friendly deals outside of rookie scale deals right now. We talked about it on the last pod. Um, super impressive stuff from Lou. And then moving on down to, to Josh Giddy as our last guy. Um, <laughs> didn't have the most points, but probably the most impressive guy on the floor for Thunder tonight. Finished with 19, 8, and 7. Almost had the triple-double. Um, I know 19-8-7 doesn't sound close when you're looking at like the box score, but he was within striking distance like, like in the third quarter. He he didn't play as much in the fourth, and when he did play, um, it was actually racking up points. I think he had eight of his 19 points in the fourth quarter. When he came in, he had 11 points and like six rebounds, six assists. Ended up doing more scoring than facilitating and rebounding in the final frame, but nonetheless, like he's just a guy that continues to produce all across the board. He did have six turnovers. Um, starting to see a little bit of growing pains as he takes over ball handling duties. We saw that with Teo last year too. Not not comparing Giddy to Teo. They're very different players and have very different career trajectories in this league. But when Teo was given primary ball handling duties as a starting point guard the second half of the season, he had a ton of turnovers. Like He was playing well, 
But when you have those responsibilities as a young guy, young kid, really, um, turnovers are expected. And his turnovers have, have increased over the past handful of games without SGA. And even before Shea went out, you started seeing Giddy turn the ball over a bit more. Defenses are starting to get to know him and there's there's film out there and his tendencies are starting to get exposed a little bit but that'll all be cleaned up as his career goes on but super impressive stuff from him um he still has quite a bit of time to become the youngest player in nba history with a triple double and uh surpass lamella ball and i do think that'll happen at some point over the next month or two so overall i mean looking back at this game um the thunder just flat out played well they they left the first quarter up by four points um, led at half. I believe they led by one going into the fourth quarter after a, a, a Poku buzzer beater three. In fact, they entered the third quarter with a three-point lead because of a Josh Giddy like one-handed floater three. Uh, it really was the fourth quarter uh, in which they ultimately lost the game down the stretch, which is, like I said, expected. This is a talented veteran jazz team that's that's been a primary core for, for several years. Now they play well together. Um, played together for a long time. They just continue to add pieces each ever in each and every offseason to to get a little bit better. And just the fact that an SGA list Oklahoma City Thunder team was able to take them down to the wire um, was just super super impressive. So so props to them. They they lose the game, but you know we talk about the moral victories when you have a guy like Giddy that's able to have the night he did and Dort score the way he did. Um, lose a close game. But the loss is also good in terms of, of the quote-unquote tanking standings, the reverse standings for uh, lottery positioning. Like, it's it's everything you could ask for, you know, out of a, out of a Thunder game. Um, I want to wrap up here talking a little bit about the G League assignments and what the Thunder are doing on that front, especially since Aaron Wiggins started tonight. I haven't, I haven't touched on that. Um, he was a spot start for the Thunder with SGA being out, I think, the coaching staff is is throwing some interesting lineups in there, to say the least, just to kind of see what happens. And, and Aaron Wiggins was the starter for the Thunder tonight. Obviously didn't play the role SGA does, you know, being a primary ball handler, but you've got to start somebody and, and kind of shift everyone down with Giddy playing point. But finished with one point. He was actually a plus six in 26 minutes. Um, believe that may have led the team in terms of box plus minus, but he, did, he didn't score the ball um, particularly well. Obviously only shot... One time, it was a three-pointer, he missed it. His one point came from the free-throw line. He's just a really good defender. And and Dagnall talked about that post-game, saying, when you've got a rookie that you can just throw on the floor and know they're going to do a solid job, like, they're not expecting him to lock anyone down. But when you can throw a rookie on the floor at his first start and be confident that he is going to defend at a high level, and they, they targeted guys like Mike Conley in the starting lineup and Jordan Clarkson off the bench for Wiggins, um, it's just impressive, and he got praise from Dagnall post game. Um, he'll likely go play some more time with the Blue, but but the reason I brought this up is because the Thunder continuously push guys down to the Blue, pull them back up to the Thunder. You know, you see notifications all the time that you know this guy's been recalled from the Blue, this guy's been sent to the Blue, and he gave me an interesting answer pregame. You know, Trey Mann's coming off of a thirty point game in the G League. And I asked, you know, hey, does, does that warrant him getting burned tonight? And he said, well, the the performance in the G League doesn't necessarily affect the amount of minutes they're going to be getting for the Thunder. Um, all the guys that they're passing back and forth between the two teams, they all are are looking at them for the long term. Um, so Trey said, I think the, the quote he had was, even if Trey would have gone 0 for 100 versus having the 30-point night that he did, 
that would have no impact on their plan for him in terms of splitting up the minutes. Like they're more they're more worried about his long-term development and where he's getting minutes and where than making decisions based on how they're playing in each respective league. And so post-game, he actually elaborated on that saying, when we look at guys in the G League, we expect that if we pull them up, they're going to play the same way. So if there's a guy in the G League that's hustling, doing the right things, playing the defense the right way, facilitating offense, being a team player, they expect that if we pull them up, they will do the same for the Thunder or play the same way for the Thunder. Obviously, if they pulled Trey Mann up, they wouldn't expect 30 points, but they'd expect those things that he's working on and the types of things that he's doing in the G League to translate directly to the NBA. So all that to say, um, I know I had a lot of questions in the mentions tonight, like, you know, where's Trey Mann? Um, I think it was kind of expected he wasn't going to play. Pre-game coach mentioned um, Teo actually came back from the blue a day early. That was part of the plan so that he would get minutes tonight. I think he was the, the first guy off the bench. And so just keep in mind the all this to say that the performance of guys in the G League is not necessarily going to dictate the amount they play in the NBA. Now, as the season goes on, guys are going to get hurt. Rotations are going to get busted. Um, way late in the season, the Thunder are probably going to play a lot more of these G Leaguers. Or when I say G Leaguers, guys that are bouncing back and forth, they're actually on NBA contracts. Um, they're probably going to play a lot more as the Thunder try to lose the last handful of games. But it'll be interesting to see how those guys ultimately crack into the rotation and then fall out as the year goes on and play in the G League. But I think the way that they're leveraging the G League is really, really smart. I think a lot of people around the league would look at, oh, Teo's going and playing, and the G League is a second-year player after starting a lot last season as a demotion, and it's really not. Like, it's just a chance to get minutes. If you're not going to play much for this stretch of two games, for example, why not send you to the G League where you can play 30 minutes a night and be one of the best players on the floor and get burned? And so just keep that perspective as you see guys bouncing back and forth. It's it's good for development, and getting quality minutes, regardless of the league, whether it's G League or NBA, is good experience overall. So that'll do it for this this episode of the Uncontested Postgame Podcast. We'll be back with you on Friday night as the Thunder take on the Washington Wizards, who are having an awesome season. Um, obviously, they traded for us uh, over the summer, and they got a lot of depth. Montrez Harrell's playing great. Brad Beal's obviously good. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, a ton of talent on that team. I think they'll give the, the, the Thunder a lot of troubles. But we will be back with you on Friday night to recap that game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.